It's Sex and Sarah Rose. I'm Sarah Rose, and really quick before we get into this episode, I know you may have found my podcast because you were looking for some interesting information about sex to listen to, but what you may not know is that I actually work with a lot of men to help them tap into their inner badass, have the sexual confidence that they've always desired to have, and to know once and for all that she isn't faking it. I have two distinct programs to help men. The first is for men who are ready to take the first step towards igniting their powerful sexual energy and getting better in bed. It's called Sex Stallion Training and it's an online program for you to do on your own time in the privacy of your home without a partner. This is for men that are single, in a relationship, or dating people. The second is called Man on Fire, which is the only sex university just for men. This six month program is designed to help you become the ultimate sexual master. For six whole months, you train with me in live online sessions, and I will train you to be the best lover that she has ever had. So if you want the sex secrets that every woman wish you knew, and you wish that every woman had told you, this is where they are finally revealed. Check out more info at tantricactivation.com or just check out the show notes in the podcast app you're listening to this from now, and there will be links there for you. Thanks and enjoy the show. It's Sex and Sarah Rose, and today I am here with Mark Santiago. He's the CEO and founder of The Empowered Man, a coaching and mentorship program for men facing separation or divorce and are ready to own their own shit. For the past 10 plus years, Mark has been helping men move from feeling like lost little boys to empowered men in their marriage and life. After leaving a toxic marriage of 17 years, Mark launched the Empowered Man coaching program to help other men overcome the toxicity in their own marriage and get their confidence, power, and freedom back without becoming an asshole. That all sounds like total alignment with what we're doing here on the Sex and Sarah Rose podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's really great to have you. Yeah, thank you. I think uh, based on our initial conversations, we definitely have a lot of alignment about how we face these issues and, and deal with issues. So, yeah, I mean, and it, it's really refreshing the way you're, you're putting it so bluntly. It's like shit happens in life and we have a choice of who we're going to become after that happens. Right. Like we all go through struggles in life and, and who do we become based on those struggles? Totally. I, I would say that's, that's probably the core element of when I'm talking to a guy for the first time who feels like he's just been hit in the face with a two by four and is going, what the fuck do I do now? Like my wife is either cheating. She wants a divorce, whatever. I don't know who the fuck I am. And, and helping them rediscover some of that masculine strength without it being toxic masculinity is a very fine line, but that's where we want to be right? Is, is pressing you forward, moving you forward without becoming an asshole. 
So what do you think right now? I mean, toxic masculinity. I, I actually just released a podcast titled Masculinity, the, a new, the new four-letter word. You know, like masculinity has somehow become associated with being toxic, which is absolute bullshit. Um, what, so what do you think of all this like rhetoric right now around toxicity and masculinity? Yeah, I think it's dangerous. Um, in my line of work, I do see it sometimes. It's rare, but it's really coming from a place of narcissism and, and just literally where a guy has no empathy for someone. And that, I think, is what is then being put all the way onto all masculinity and masculine energy. And that's not, that's not real. That's not true. I think it's healthy for a man to be masculine as much as it is a woman to be healthy in her feminine. And the two coming together to form a symbiotic relationship is kind of how I think we were meant to be. And if a man doesn't step into that, the woman will step into his masculine energy and take over the relationship in an unhealthy way because she's craving leadership. She's craving confidence. I always say, confidence is like catnip to a woman. It is what drives her insane uh, in a good way. It gets her hot. It gets her fired up because this man actually believes in himself, knows who he is, and is confident in everything that happens. She can follow that versus the pussy who's sitting on the couch going, I'm just playing video games. I don't know who the fuck I am, right? That's not what women want. Absolutely not. No. I mean, a guy that has purpose, that has vision, that has clarity, that knows like what he wants and he's going after it. Like, that's fucking hot. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's where we try to get our guys because when we're working with them, what we see a lot of them is they either have been workaholics where they're just like, their vision is that. And then when they come home, I call it making the woman the adventure. Like no woman wants to be the adventure. They want to join you on an adventure. And so if you're making her the mission, that's the problem, right? And, and then she's like, oh, what the hell? Like, I'm not the, I'm not the mission. We need to do something together. We need to move forward together. And that's what we help them do. We help them rediscover what that is when we're working with them. Can you go into that a little bit more? Like, what do you mean by the woman is the adventure? Yeah, so like, I believe that, that relationships are two people coming together with their faults, their baggage, whatever, and working through a lot of their shit, right? And working through things and helping each other and all that. And some of it could be healing even. But what happens is for men is they kind of take sort of the mommy wound or whatever, and they look to the woman and say, you're going to be my happiness. And they go after their happiness from her. So as soon as she pulls back and says, I'm out, they're like, I have no happiness. I just want, I, I talk to multi-million dollar CEOs all the time who are like, I just want to crawl up on a ball and die. And they've got, you know, hundred employees out, outside their office because their wife no longer wants to be married to them. And that is because they've gotten so dysfunctional and toxic in their relationship that it's no longer about two people building. It's about him trying to suck from her, his happiness, his life, his whatever, so that she's the adventure versus him saying, I'm going to lead. I'm going to do this. These are the things I want to do. And I want to do it with you. I want you to join me in that. I don't want to do it apart from you, right? What are your goals? What are your ambitions? How can I support you and what you're doing? And at the same time, we're going to do this together. And every family's different. You know, sometimes it's the woman driving an entrepreneurship thing and the guy's coming alongside, or it's the guy doing the thing, or they do some sort of business or nonprofit or something together. And it's not just career, it's goals, it's ambitions, it's, it's desire, it's drive. And where it's like, we're working together. I mean, it's utopian, right? It sounds very utopian, but I believe it's possible when two people go, hey, we're fucked up enough to realize we need each other. 
but we don't need each other to the point where we're unhealthy in our boundaries. Yeah. And I think that is the new model of relationship because we're no longer in relationship because we have to be, we're in relationship with people because we choose to be right. We, we don't have the same religious constraints, societal constraints, monetary constraints, health and safety and physical reasons to be in relationship with each other. Like we had in the past, like we literally only need relationship because we choose it. And so this is something that I see is really exciting actually for humanity is to be able to, for conscious people, people that are aware, people that are like, okay, I, I want this and I'm going to create this new vision for a relationship in the way that works for me, that way, the way that works for my partner. And like, I think it's actually a lot of fun. You know, a lot of people are you know all about the the woes of you know the the way of relationship in the past is no longer the way of relationship now and this is detrimental to society and everything it's like okay we can look at it in that way and i'm not saying there's no validity to what they're saying but the reality is the past is the past this is the present and what are we going to do with it and i i think it's exciting that we get to to move more into what you're describing here yeah, and I and I really believe, you know, I think both people should be leaders in a relationship, right? It's not like it's like the man dominates. And so when I when I use the word leadership as the man in a relationship, it's more about choosing a direction. Hey, this is where I think we should go. You know, whether you go, what are your thoughts or whatever, however you're collaborative in your discussions. But the fact is, is a woman is looking to the man to go, what what are you gonna do? What you know, like it's it's the way the design is in terms of innately how a man is set up to come through, right? Like like every man was born to come through and not to save the woman, not to rescue her, but to be there as a strength, as a rock for her when she needs him. And that and that doesn't mean physically as much as it means emotionally. And that I think is the danger that I see in society is that so many men are can can be physically present. I'm home every night. I don't cheat on my wife. I'm doing this. I serve her. I go blah. But emotionally, they're distant. Emotionally, they don't know how to connect. Uh, I call it the grunt, where men don't know how to articulate their feelings to a woman. So they, oh, they grunt. They just, oh, they just get frustrated because that part of their brain doesn't work the way a woman does. And so you have to slow down. You have to learn to articulate. You have to learn to be vulnerable and be like, hey, I feel this way when this happens. And that's scary for a man. But it's the way I believe you can have the best relationship is when two people can be honest and vulnerable and trust is built. Without that, what do you have? And that's why a lot of these men are in these situations because they didn't build that. And so now they have no relationship and their wife wants out and they they don't know what the fuck to do because they found that emotional connection with some other man. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of times what women do is they'll go from, from one man who, you know, he's very successful in business. You're, you know, very focused in that area and then, but they're lacking that emotional connection or the sexual connection. And then they'll find that with somebody else. But then that man probably doesn't have the same vision, uh, the same income, things like that, that she was getting from the original man that she was with. And then she finds herself in the situation of like, okay, well, I really don't, I still don't have what I want. And so I, I, I have compassion and empathy for men that it seems like, okay, well, I have to have everything in order to attract a woman. And that's, that's a huge pressure. It really is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say it's the pressure, but I think it's, I think it's more realistic than men want to believe because men are trained, you know, it's like you go to work, you get a job, you know, like you go to school, you get a job, you, you provide, like you're, you're trained to do those things from a societal, cultural standpoint, innately, that's kind of the desire that men have. And, but what's not trained is that emotional side of things. And I believe with some help, and I see it in our clients every day. I mean, I've got those, those grunters, those guys, you know, that are like successful in, in the boardroom and can bark orders. But when they come home, they're just like crying and they're just, or they're just yelling or they just like all that's just, they're frustrated with their own articulation, slow the fuck down and be able to articulate with their wife. This is what I need from you. And this is what I desire from you. And the woman just melts because she's like, Oh my gosh, you're finally being honest with me. Like, you, like I, men hear that all the time. Why can't you be honest with me? You're like, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you these things. And you're like, the woman's going, but you're not being honest. You're still like hiding. And that's what men do. We like, you know, not to use a, a biblical reference, but we hide behind the fig leaf, if you will. You know, of like we're hiding our dick because we're afraid to be vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerability is huge. And that that's where women can feel you. And women are really... Uh, I guess, again, it's a stereotype, but so often women want to feel the man that they're with. Like in that, that's where the, the emotions and vulner the vulnerability comes in is like, how can I, I want to feel your heart. I want to feel your presence. I want to just feel your, your realness, your rawness, your authenticity. And those yeah. are the things that a woman connects to. It's like, it doesn't mean she can't go into her logical brain. It doesn't mean that she can't strategize and, you know, go into leadership and all these things. But when it comes to connection with the man that she's with, that she's sharing a bed with, a home with, a family with, she wants to feel him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so true. And, and man, I think we're so good at the physical side of things. We're so good at like, well, that means getting a hard on and giving you sex, or that means, you know, giving you a back rub or, or, or even serving you and doing those things. Cause those are easy for a man. It's harder though, to have that emotional connection, which then makes sex incredible because when you have that emotional, vulnerable connection, then when you're in the midst of an intimate, it's not just penis and vagina. It's not just mouth and body parts and breasts and stuff. It is a connection of two people coming together in every way possible, which is mind blowing. And that I think is what every man desires. You know, yes, they, you know, we like to get off physically, but there's something deeper in a man that he's missing, especially when he's not applying some of the stuff that you teach, right? He's missing those things from the, from the overall experience. And that's why when, when you experience that at a deeper level, it's uh, it's mind blowing and it's, it's what's possible. It's what is out there that is attainable. It's not just a utopia. It's possible. Yeah, it really is. It's possible and it's exciting. I, I love seeing the the guys that I work with just like unfold into all this. And and it is, it's so challenging. And it's because men have such cultural conditioning around what it means to be a man, uh, what they're supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do, the things that they're allowed to talk about, the way they're able to present themselves. And like, it just, it just takes some new training creating some new conditioning, you know, like what is conditioning? We were brainwashed in one direction. Let's just brainwash ourselves in, in a new direction. Right? Yeah. 
like, you yep. know, I, I went through the same thing when I was like transitioning from, you know, the way I used to eat to the way I eat now, right? Like you just, you create new habits, new patterns, and that's all it is. It just takes some time. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my goal is to see every man c- come to a place where he can connect with himself and then connect with somebody else. And I think that's really true leadership is when you can lead yourself before you can lead someone else. And again, so many of these guys are caught off guard because they think they're leading well at home, but in reality, they're not doing the basic habits. They don't have, you know, they're not tracking their own internal things, um, what they're feeling. They're not mindful. They're not present. They're not looking under the hood to understand what's going on. And so that's exactly what we help them do is really like slow the fuck down and go, okay, this situation happened, but this situation doesn't define you. You know, whether she walks out, has an affair, doesn't matter what it is. What that is, is it's a check engine light coming on and it's your check engine light, right? I never blame the guy for the affair and I'm never the one to do that, but I always blame the guy for his contribution towards the failure of a relationship. Meaning that it takes two people to tango. The woman could totally have fucked up, whatever, but I guarantee there was boundaries. There was communication that was toxic. There were things in that relationship that he did not uh, own up to regardless of what she does, that's all he can own. And so that's what we focus them on is you focus on your own empowerment. She's going to have to deal with her own consequences. And that's that. Do you ever find that, um, people, men come to you and, you know, their, their wife has had an affair or is, you know, wanting to be with somebody else and really like he has done his best and she is just toxic and it's just really something he needs out of. Oh yeah. All the time. Okay. (laughs) I mean like that. And that's why I tell guys, you know, to be honest, like there's a lot of people spouting off how we'll we'll save your marriage. We'll save your marriage. We'll save your marriage. And really what they're doing is they're creating quote unquote, an emotional connection with the other person and bringing her back to at least trying. But most of the time those don't last because the amount of work it takes on both sides is immense. And that doesn't mean that if an affair has happened, that you can't make it work and that it can work. But a lot of work has to be done on both sides. She has to deal with her shit. You have to deal with your shit. Um, one of my clients that I just was on the phone with him earlier today, they're coming back together after an affair. She's really confused. And this is what happens because once a woman opens her heart up to another man, it's a whole new world. And that whole new world says, this is very alluring. This is very attractive why would I close that and go back to being mom or being back to being something I don't really want to do? And so, you know, we walk them through that process and that's why it's like our program is not about saving your marriage. It's about saving you. It's about you finding you as my, in my own experience, having gone through that, having been through multiple affairs, having been through all that shit. What I can say is that at the end of the day, whether my marriage made it or not, I was going to be better. And that's exactly what happened. Unfortunately, my marriage failed and it didn't, I mean, we, we tried to make it work. We went a couple more years after all that stuff, but it still didn't work. There was still so much toxicity and, and we deal with a lot of also uh, mental disorders and illnesses and things like that, that just bring so much toxicity where it's like, she has to do her work. She has to, and you have to do yours. And at that point you decide, do I want to stay or do I want to go? That's empowerment is when you have the choice again, it's not her. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. So I guess you, this is where, you know, we're looking at boundaries and unhealthy boundaries versus healthy boundaries. Yeah. We see a lot of that with men. Men don't really understand boundaries. I don't think at all. Uh, I think, I think women innately kind of have them um, because they're more emotionally aware and attuned, but men are just very, just like, this is my wife. This is what I do. Right. They're very, uh, uh, they objectify, if you will, or they, they, they own their wife or their woman. And we teach a concept we call the neutral woman concept. And this has been pretty groundbreaking for, for the guys that come to our program. It's something that once they understand it, once they get it, it changes everything. And essentially what we do is we create a frame around your wife so that she's no longer the same person. Mm-hmm. And in essence that now that she has said, I want out of the marriage, she's creating a boundary. And if you push that boundary, you're fucking yourself even more. So essentially what we're doing is we're saying, hey, you must create your own boundaries. And boundary number one is that she needs to become neutral so we can diffuse her. And diffusing that power over her, over over you, helps you on the next journey of healing. Mm -hmm. Because you can't heal from this. You can't move forward from this until you diffuse the power she has over you. And again, that power is from an unhealthy, uh, imbalanced, non-boundary approach. It's not the love power. It is usually codependency and it's rooted in all kinds of toxic shit. It's not actually love because love lets go. Love gives space. Love does not cling. Love does not beg. Love does not manipulate. And that is what we do not teach our guys. We do not teach them to do those things. We teach them to give her space. Mm, Absolutely. I would say women though, like from my experience, really do have trouble with boundaries as well. Uh, You know, like women all the time they're allowing their boundaries to be crossed i mean that's and that's why they get into that situation in the first place because they allowed boundaries to be crossed so many times and then they finally you know find themselves or choose i shouldn't say find themselves but choose a another um, option other than their marriage whereas if they had had clear boundaries from the beginning if they had stood up for their desires and what they really want then they, you know, they would have had a better shot at creating the thriving, healthy relationship that they were wanting to have rather than, you know, going the other way. Uh, So I I think it's something that we we see definitely in um, both genders. And when it comes to overcoming affairs, how, I mean, there are different, there are varying opinions on this. Like, is it possible? Can you really get over it? So I think from a, from a healing standpoint, totally. It's totally doable. Can the relationship survive? That's a totally different question, right? All I can do as the man is control me and work on myself and work on my stuff. So we have a very, um, we put up a lot of boundaries around this idea of her coming back to the marriage. And that's one of the big things that we teach. And we have kind of a list of four or five things that she must do in order to come back to the marriage. And of those things, the primal importance is transparency. You know, it's working on herself with a therapist or a counselor to deal with what happened, why she wasn't able to communicate with you, her needs, what boundaries were crossed and why she allowed them to cross. Is this tied to childhood trauma, right? All those things need to be worked out. And until that stuff is happening, we, there's not a mar- the marriage is dead. Like as soon as that happens, the marriage is dead. And the only thing you can do is hope for a new marriage. So I always talk about, look, let's put you in the most powerful position possible to receive her back. 
And if she decides to come back, these are the boundaries. These are the criteria that must be met. It happens. It's rare. It's so rare. And that's because I think that once a person has experienced that other side, if it doesn't go negative and it just kind of ends uh, like because it got caught, that's when it really becomes hard because they have to in themselves go, this is outside of my character. I want to go back to my marriage and work on me and work on this marriage and have that. It's very slim. It's very rare, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's also very rare and slim that the, the new relationship is going to work out either. Well, yeah, if you don't actually work on the shit that got you there in the first place, of course, right? Because here's what most people do. The fair happens, fair gets caught, they go to therapy with a counselor. Counselor sits them down. He says, hey, are you still having the affair? She's like, no, I've put it away. Okay, how are you feeling, mister? Well, I'm pissed. I'm mad, blah, 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 right? Or I don't know. I'm a crying mess, whatever. And they go to counseling week after week after week after week after week. There's this big elephant in the room. Nothing ever changes. Nothing ever happens because now both of you, both people don't trust each other. And so therefore it becomes so much easier to go, you know what? Maybe divorce is the best option instead of going, you know what? Let's be vulnerable. Let's see if we can actually give this thing a try. Most people just don't try. They just literally, because it has, takes both. It does not take one to save marriage. It takes both. And you both have to be at a place of health emotional healthiness, heart healthiness, where you're able to say, you know what, I'm willing to start trusting you. We're going to build trust. And, I, and I'm willing to be honest and vulnerable with my needs. And we're going to both do that. And there's exercises you can do to do that, that bring that back. But again, if that toxic nature doesn't leave the relationship, no hope, none whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, the big challenges in that as well is that the transparency needed to regain trust often kills desire. It kills any mystery in the relationship. And that, and then there's just like two people that are like, yeah, well, I'm trying to be honest and open about everything, but there's no passion there. There's no attraction being fueled. And that, that is definitely a big issue when you're talking about well, everything has to be open and transparent. Well, and that's, this is the thing. So, okay. There's a lot of people that believe that open and transparency needs to be, I can see your phone at any time, or I can look at your browser or whatever. I'm not even talking about that. What I mean is, what are you feeling today? How are you feeling? What is going on? And being a safe place to receive that, knowing that she may be struggling because there is, there is a vacillation period and there is a time of up to three years for one a person has had an affair to get over the affair. And so therefore you have to know that, hey, this could be a two or three or four year process to have this marriage. And I'm either willing to fight for it or I'm not. And if I'm not, then let's part ways and let's do what we gotta do to, to make this amicable. And if I am, I better know that she may be in a journey and a process that may not be fun and it may be ugly. And that's where empowerment comes from the empowered man where it's like, I need to be able to stand in that fire, if you will, or in her, whatever. Now, I don't believe in attacking, like you shouldn't be attacking the other person. But when you're feeling, when you're having those days of like, I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm struggling. I'm just, you know, yeah, in some ways I still miss the other person, you know, like being able to be honest like that, that is transparency. And that actually will build intimacy and desire because then the person feels not judged for their honesty, right? 
what you're talking about is more the show me everything. I want to know what your email says. Right. That shit, yeah, that that doesn't bring anything, but just that becomes, it's like, I call it the father-daughter dynamic. I see this all the time. The, the woman goes out and does something. The man is the business owner and makes all the money. They have this weird relationship where the man's like the father and the girl's like the daughter. And it's fucking, it's sick. But that's a lot of these relationships because the man is always saving her, bringing her out of her pit, if you will. And so when we equalize it and go, okay, we're both healthy adults. You've made bad decisions. I've made bad decisions. No one person's decision is worse than the other, regardless of how fucked up it was. The fact is, is none of us are perfect in any of this. And so we have to come to the relationship from that angle and from that place of saying, I'm going to trust you because you've told me you're working on you. I'm not going to check on you all the time. I'm not your accountability partner. You know, you're going to therapy. I'm trusting that. I'm trusting that you're working through those things. I'm trusting that. So there takes an element of security in a man to be able to trust his wife again without having to snoop around and do what some of these guys do with their GPS trackers and all this shit. Like, bro, that's, that's not helping you. It's not helping you one bit. No, it definitely is not helping them. And I think too, it's having this sense of, okay, even if she does betray my trust again, I am still okay, no matter what. I, I have a sense of safety in myself, a sense of belonging in myself, a sense of love in myself for myself, and I don't need these from her. I am a sovereign individual choosing to be with her. And if it doesn't work out, I'm still going to be okay. Yeah. Well, and that's being, that's being in a place with your own emotions of, of going, okay, like you said, I'm safe within myself. I'm secure within myself of going, it's okay that I feel distraught. It's okay that I feel sad. It's okay that I feel all of those emotions, but those emotions aren't too big for me. And I think that's where men really fuck up is because their emotions become so big for them. They have no way of coping. And it's like, I'm going to go bury myself in drugs or alcohol, or I'm going to bury myself in work. And they, they, they literally just ignore the trauma as much as possible as opposed to just dealing with it and realizing they have the skills if they do the work, because you have to do the work to develop the skills to handle it and deal with it. And that's exactly what we help them do. So whether, you know, the client I was talking to this morning, you know, his wife is vacillating. She's in that, like, I don't know. I don't know. I want to be here, but at the same time, I'm still not sure. And I'm like, where are you at with that? And he's like, honestly, he used to be an alcoholic. And he's like, he's like, man, the stuff you've given me, the tools you've given me, I don't have to go back to that. He's like, because I know how to deal with it. I heard what she said. I actually teared up and cried a little bit, but I didn't beg her. I didn't cling. I just said that hurt. Yeah. And that's what I teach them is like, it's okay to say it hurt. What happens is men feel like little boys. And so when they say, oh, it hurt, they feel like they're talking to their mom. It's like, no, you're talking to your wife. Who's your, who's your spouse? You know, this is the person that went to bat with you, you know, and, and, and married you and all those things. Now in that situation, a little different because she's no longer on the same playing field as you but being honest and vulnerable with her is still an attractive quality yeah i mean these are these are attractive human qualities right like these are qualities of just emotional maturity that all humans uh would do service to themselves to develop right like to yeah. just be be emotionally mature to be able to have conversations to be able to notice emotions and not have to be reactionary to totally 100 feel everything you're going through and not put 
that onto somebody else, but take ownership for them. And that's one of the things that I work with guys around is like, yeah, feel it all, feel it all. And also take ownership of it. Like these are yours. They're not somebody else's problem. And I think we often see people try and make what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, somebody else's problem. And it's different than like you said, being on a team are like, all right, we're all trying to work towards the same goals and we're here, you know, to help each other out, but still we each have our own position, you know, if you're looking at it from like a sports perspective, like we all have a different position that we're playing, even though we're working towards the same goals. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love it. I don't, I don't know if I have anything to add to that. (laughs) I think you kind of nailed that. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually a sports fan. My dad is like a total sports guy. And so I grew up in (laughs) that world. It's easy for me to kind of default there. Um, And I'm fortunate to have two parents that actually have a very healthy relationship. And I think they're coming up on, I think they're coming up on their 40th anniversary this year and they still like each other they still have fun you know and my dad has always been very focused on his career he's been very uh, much a leader but he also has always made my mother a priority and they have always been partners co-collaborators but also like he's made the the romantic aspect of their life important as well I just I remember growing up and I was, you know, would stay at my grandmother's house regularly. So my dad could take my mom away for, you know, weekend trips. And it's always been a big deal. And he still does it 40 years later. So I have definitely, I I have the, the privilege, the rare privilege of, of having that example of parents, because it's definitely very rare. Um, And I'm grateful for it. And it's one of the reasons that it excites me to to help others develop these capacities in themselves because as a grown adult and as somebody that works in these realms and has had all my own life experiences i really really appreciate what my parents did and like i wouldn't appreciate it if they were two unhappy people that had stayed together just for the sake of saving face or for religion or you know for their kids or their job or whatever because miserable people you just don't want to be around them yeah. but like they've really done the work to make it a happy relationship and awesome. it's it's a huge benefit to my my life you know yeah yeah it's it's unfortunately it's rare i mean we are a very emotionally immature culture. We are very broken people, uh, probably more so than ever. And uh, it's getting kind of scary when you look at your kids and what, you know, uh, the way they experience relationships through internet and, you know, cell phone technology. And it's like, wow, like there's just not connection. There's everybody's in touch with everybody. Like I've had like 18 messages while I've been on this, but it's like, am I actually connecting with those people? Rare. Definitely rare. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess, social commentary around um, how there is now a a push towards um, being in non-traditional style relationships. And then that is impacting traditional relationships of the, you know, hetero male, hetero female type uh, monogamous relationship. Uh, Do you think that's true or do you think that there is a place for everyone? 
So my personal opinion is I, I'm more of the, the hetero male-female relationship, probably more from a faith background than anything. But uh, yeah, that, I would say that's more my, my, my position on it. Um, and then some of it just, you know, just even looking at the science of it, of, of how the anatomy works or how different things work. Uh, I'm not here to judge anybody based on what they choose and what life they want to live. That's, that's their prerogative. But we definitely see the, the yin and the yang of it, you know, the male, the female, um, the differences and how they come together. And I just not, I don't know much about the other side to know whether or not that's possible or how that works. Yeah. I think that kind of what I see is that seems unfortunate to me is that in some ways it's almost like that type of um, traditional style relationship seems to be under attack. And it's, for me, it's like, I'm totally okay with people expressing themselves, having whatever type of relationship they, they choose or that they feel is what there is natural to them. I'm just curious as to why that means we have to now attack what has been around, you know, and considered traditional before, because I, I mean, I'm bisexual, like I'll have relationships with women, like, you know, and, and I'm friendly of all the different genders. And, um, you know, I feel like the, different people should be able to express themselves in, in different ways, but I do see that that somehow the script has now flipped. And with that, there now is this um, attack on the traditional style relationship. Well, here, I'll give you my kind of perspective on that. And, and I think that when you're looking at, especially culture, right? And this is from a sociological standpoint, more than a psychological standpoint, but from a sociological standpoint and a psychological, when you have rejection and you have rejection for so long, what happens is you begin to project that rejection onto other people. And a lot of the movements and a lot of the, the gender stuff is based in rejection. It's not based in, well, this is what I feel and I'm okay with that. It's coming actually from a place of insecurity. And so when you're insecure, you're going to project your shit onto other people and you're going to want to make them do and say what you want. So it's all manipulation. And so what I see in our culture is very manipulative. And you could look at even a lot of the popular movements that are happening around the country right now that are coming from a place of rejection and coming from that deep-seated root. And it's just projecting on, you must feel my shame. So I'm spitting shame onto you because I felt shame. And that shame then gets spread around. So then my question is, well, if you feel shame about who you are and what you do, why would you need to, you know, then, then, then what, what are we talking about here? Because if you didn't feel shame, you wouldn't spit that shame at me. Yeah, I agree 100%. It's less like the, it, I mean, I, I see this with the, the talk around politics or talk about race and like all these different things that we're, we're seeing. There's so much of, you've done this to me and now I'm going to do this to you kind of thing. Yep. And it's like, I'm every, gonna take my ball and go. Right. Yep. Everything that, that people have fought for, the rights that people have fought for, instead of like really moving into an empowered place with it. And I see this in the, the feminist movement as well. It's like everything that the feminist movement fought against in 
so many ways they are now embodying themselves. And it's really unfortunate because it's like you were supposed to be working towards progress and like yeah. it's, it just hasn't happened in that way. Uh, so I'm really a big fan of like, if we're talking about equality, then this is literally equality for everyone. <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't mean just because you don't like the way that person, you know, displays their relationship if you think maybe they're archaic or something that's none of your business like they get to they get to do whatever they want to do if you get to do whatever you want to do <laughs> yeah i mean you're talking about really moral relativism right and and the root of moral relativism says that what's okay for me is okay for you but what happens in moral relativism is that eventually somebody gets pissed off and offended because if i believe that it's okay for me to kill you you shouldn't have a problem with it and that's ultimately where moral relativism fails as a philosophy of living life. And that gets into a whole different thing of truth and what is right and what is wrong. But that's the stuff that we're grappling with. I mean, look at, uh, I know we're like almost getting off topic, but I mean, if you look at the whole thing around Netflix and this cuties thing, right? It's like the Me Too movement is all about, you know, these women and empowerment and all this stuff. But none of them are saying anything about Netflix and, and about what they're portraying with these little girls. Uh, the same thing with some of the other movements that I'm not, I'm just not going to name them, but I think we all know the movements that are out there where it's like, they'll say one thing about this because that's victim mindset. And it's like, I'm just going to focus on being a victim. It's so much easier to be a victim than it is to be someone who goes, I'm going to lead this movement and say, you know what? You're right. We're going to focus on getting rights or making sure those people are taken care of, but it should be across the board. It shouldn't just be for when I choose, it should be for all. And that's the fallacy of all equality because it really isn't all. It's, it's, it's about me. It's about what I want. It's a selfish thing. It's self-centered. It's narcissism. It is. It is. And I wish I had the answers. I wish we could just come up with the solution to it all right here, right now on this podcast. Right. <laughs> the world would be so much better if we could just fix it all. <laughs> but I know that we are at least helping individuals one at a time do their own personal individual healing work and just come to a place of empowerment and confidence in themselves, their own sovereignty. Like I say that so often because sovereignty is such a beautiful word and just such a sense like when you can really feel in yourself sovereignty nothing is better you know just like that tantra is really about liberation liberation from from all of the taboos of society from all of the shame that's been put on you all the guilt all of these stories that you've been raised with and just liberating yourself from that so you can get to your true core essence and like that core essence is a sovereign being and like that is that's what really inspires me and excites me is to like help people get to that that core core confidence of who they are yeah yeah, same. That's exactly what we do in The Empowered Man. We're about helping men find that place inside of them again, where they identify with the strong man again, and not in an abusive way, but in a healthy, confident leadership type of way. Yeah, one of the things that um, I, I did a post about recently was like, women really do desire masculinity in a man. But 
what masculinity is now portrayed as has really been warped. And what masculinity is now portrayed as is like this dominance, it's egotistical, it's this external um, shell of confidence that often just covers up a lot of insecurities inside and women can see through that very quickly and I am not putting all the blame on men there are a lot of women doing the exact same thing but when we're talking about men you know these are the things that come up but what is what is really healthy masculinity that men can still identify at with as like this is powerful this feels like a man being a warrior, being a protector, being a provider, like those are aspects of healthy masculinity that are also really attractive that women are like really desirous of. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly it. Right. Is that men have to awaken to that both sides of themselves. There's the physical side, which is the going to work, providing the going out and killing the hunting, all those things. And almost in, a, almost in every way, that's the easiest thing. For a lot of guys, it's not. The guy that works behind a cubicle, it's not as easy. So it's easier for him to be all making money and doing that stuff. I think masculinity should be well-rounded. I think a man should have aspects of him that are strong and that not are callous, but are strong. And then other sides of him that are super sensitive and super sweet um, and you know, it's kind of like being a father to a baby. I have four kids and I remember each of them. I watched every one of them being born, cut every umbilical cord. My last one was born breech and almost didn't make it. They had to do mouth to mouth on her and just watching breath come into her lungs for the very first time does something to you differently as a man. And if you're open to it, it, it reaches down in a core and you, you understand beauty at a whole new level. And for a man to understand beauty at a core level it goes beyond the pornographic world. It goes beyond the skin world. It goes into a level of, wow, there's beauty on the outside, but there's also beauty in the inside. And how do I as a man reach that in a woman and help her bring that out? Because to me, true masculinity is saying, I want to release in you all the, all the feminine energy in you and be okay. I think that's a well-rounded masculinity. Oh, and that is something that women are dying for. Trust me. <laughs> They're like, yes, please, please, please. <laughs> How do you see porn impacting the guys that you work with? So it definitely is a, decentral, uh, a desensitizer um, when used a lot, especially. Um, that is a big deal. We don't address it directly in our program because it's not really like the main issue. And I don't think it's the main issue ever. I think that, you know, relational, that, that issue itself is personal, it's faith, it's your relationship with your wife, like it's that issue, right? But underneath that, like, what are you looking for? Is this just a release or is there something else you're missing? And is this a way for you to dominate because you feel like you're losing in every other sense of the life that you have? And so you're secretly constantly looking at porn to get away from that? Or is this just, you know, a thing you do with your wife or whatever, however, however that is for, for your relationship? Yeah, I agree. I, I do. I think it's very personal as well. And it's, um, there are plenty of studies showing, you know, the benefit of porn on society. So the last thing I want to do is attack it, but, but it can be, it can impact a man, especially if he's, um, if he's 
if that is the way he is experiencing sexuality uh, the most often, then that is how his brain is going to start to program and to become conditioned to experiencing sexuality. And it can make it difficult to experience sexuality in other ways, like being with a, a woman, a flesh and blood woman. So I think it's, again, something very individual, something to look at and not just label overall as like porn is bad for all of us all the time, right? Like there can be healthy ways of experiencing porn. I mean, porn can be fun. I mean, if you look at it as it's an entertainment rather than like this is educational or this is real and, uh, you know, it's like we watch Mission Impossible and we see Tom Cruise do all his stuff and we realize it's entertainment. We don't have to go and, you know, try and do that on our own uh so the same with porn like it's Hanging from ceilings <laughs> right exactly so i think it's um i i do see a lot of guys struggling with porn though um and thankfully it's an area just like anything else it can be helped you know there's yeah. not not a lost cause if you're struggling there there's help well, and usually the more shame that's attached to it, the harder it becomes, then it becomes like that addiction, right? So it's like, like you said, almost reframing in some sense, and then asking that deeper question, like, why? What, what is this thing doing for me that I'm missing in my life? And where am I not okay with myself? Because that's usually what happens. That's where addictions, um, there was a beautiful TED talk about it recently, or a couple of years ago, where they talked about addiction being the lack of connection you know, and, and, and all addiction is rooted in the lack of connection. So really then if you're addicted to something, it's like, where are you not connecting with other people or yourself or your God or whatever to feel that connection? Mm -hmm. You feel isolated, you feel alone and no one should feel alone, but that's the curse of man. We feel alone. Right. We get disconnected from source and then we use things to try and fill that void rather than just doing what's necessary to come back to source. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a really fun game that I like to play with guests. It's called okay. Let's Talk About Sex. And um, it's from Cards for Humanity. My uh, co-host, Erin uh, Hickok, she actually created this deck. And it's something that uh, even uh, some of the guys that you work with may really love because it's prompts that they can use to to talk with uh, women that they're in relationship with and just yeah. it kind of helps with the vulnerability and gives you you know something to talk about rather than like oh no I got to come up with this myself you know guys with I work that I work with have really loved it so if you're okay with it I will choose a card okay yeah all right all right let's see what, what comes up See what happens. <laughs> you never know on sex and zeros. <laughs> okay. I'm picking card, picking card. Oh, and I picked, <laughs> I picked no, I picked the uh the directions with <laughs> the oh. instruction card. <laughs> that's a that's a winner right there. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, all right. The longest I've gone without sex has been blank. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Um, like since I started having sex, I'm assuming. Right. Um, yeah. Maybe two weeks. Oh, wait, no, I take that back. There was a period where I wasn't in a relationship for a while. Mm, maybe, maybe six or 12 months, somewhere around there. Yeah. I'm trying to think for myself. I was, um, 
not in a relationship once and probably about the same probably like I don't know somewhere there maybe like nine months but then like after that I got to the point of like no like I never let it go beyond three months and that is usually by choice like all right I'm for this three month period, I'm going to be focusing on this and I'm not having sex. I'm not dating. I'm not you know, like, I'm using all my sexual energy and putting that specifically into this project that we're doing. Like that's something that I'm, I'm doing right now currently. Like I got off all the dating apps. I was like quit communicating with all, you know, the people I was having sex with. I'm like, I am putting all this energy into this project. But otherwise, it's usually more like a two-week period. And I'm like, all right, two weeks, that's enough. I'm the, yeah. I'm the like, lose, use it or lose it mindset. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no, got to keep using this. <laughs> yeah. We're not guaranteed tomorrow, so better exactly. take care of it now. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll do one more. Let's see. Comes at this time. Okay. What I love about myself is. Is this in, this is in general, so it's not even set or is it sex? Right. No, this can just be in general. I really like my personality. Awesome. Anything in particular? I like my charismatic nature. I like, because I see how it makes people feel good about themselves or lifts them up or whatever. Yeah, it can help you be easy to relate to, all yeah. that. Yeah, awesome. Let's see, what I love about myself is, I, I think just my willingness to fucking go for it. And just to like not hold back and like see a challenge and say yes fuck yes like I'm yeah. you know just 100% and uh and I I do really admire that about myself and it's something that I developed like it was very purposeful that I developed that that capacity in myself it definitely was not always there um I mean I've always been somebody that was like strong, strong-willed, up for a challenge kind of thing, but the way that I really act on it now of like, yes, and like fully going for it. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's what you need to have if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to (sighs) be changing lives and doing all kinds of things. So, (laughs) in that world. Yeah, there are definitely things that I've done that I'm like, I did that. And that's totally public and <laughs> oh well. <laughs> yeah. What you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. oh, well, it's been so great to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Can you tell everybody how to connect with you? Because I know there are gonna be so many guys that listen to this that completely resonate and that are really excited to connect. Yeah, probably the easiest way is we have a Facebook group, uh, empoweredman.co slash group empoweredman.co, not com.co slash group. And uh, that'd probably be an easy place to get connected. Um, I can probably put together a free resource if you want for, for just your listeners um, and just make it empoweredman.co slash Sarah, S-A-R-R-A-H. And uh, we'll add that as well. So they can, okay. they can choose either one. 
Awesome. Well, we will definitely be putting those links in the show notes so that way everyone can connect with you. And I just want to say, I really appreciate what you're doing, the way you're showing up for men. Like I, I wish the world was full of men like you and doing the things that you're doing. So, and I, I don't say that lightly. Like I really am so grateful for this work that you're doing and really happy to have you on the show and to be able to spotlight you. And, um, hopefully a lot of guys will come your way because, um, this is what we need and I'm fully, fully on board with everything you're doing. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity and the invite. Uh, definitely very grateful and humbled by the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I look forward to more collaborations and that is Sex and Sarah Rose. Hey, it's Sarah again. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out the links in the show notes for everything we discussed in this episode. And you can also find out about how you can work with me. Until next time, lovers. Down tonight.